0: I had a yes or no question. Just Would you take the super soldier serum? Next question.
1: Thank it. you
2: so much, you guys. We've got All to move right. on. I'm sorry. 47 of the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. Mike, we're closing in on fifth. Oh, it's hard to
0: believe. This is episode forty-seven. Episodes. Wow, wow! It'll be a, that's a full s- year almost. That's a solid year. Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's that's uh, a long time.
2: We won't talk too much about you know what it's like to be fifty because we're not there yet. But we should kind of do like a big celebration for the fifty. I don't know. Maybe bring in like a big star, or maybe not. Uh, or maybe, maybe just do, make do it like about... a best
0: of. Maybe look back, like a look back. At yeah, what we've covered. like a look back. <laughs>
2: But we're closing in, and we thank all of you for supporting us. We thank all of you for taking the time out and downloading the podcast, these episodes. We've gone through a lot of growth. We've seen the country completely disassemble itself in the last year, and now we're seeing it being patched together. I think a 50th episode would be an interesting sort of take a look back at the way the world was through our own eyes. Well, you know, it's
0: interesting. Doing this show with you allows us to discuss things and look at things that, you know, we may not have been able to explore if we didn't have a show where that's what we decided to explore.
2: And and what a way to pick a year to deconstruct the world. <laughs>
0: I think that that's what we do. I think a culture critic, we're criticizing or looking at culture with a critical eye. In our case, uh, both the Black and Latino eye. But, you know, one thing is, you know, we were talking earlier or yesterday about the fact that we don't talk as often as we should. But one of the things that made us or made me anyway want to do the show with you is the kinds of conversations that we have. So I'm looking forward to the next 50. Oh, that's the way to say it, Mike yeah. In today's
2: episode, we're going to be talking to Danny Ramirez An actor in Falcon and the Winter Soldier
1: Sometimes there's nothing to do until there's something to do That's bizarrely wise Well, I'm a bizarrely wise man, Sam yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Torres For sure Wait, yo, you forgot the wings. Kibo.
2: Are we in the midst of seeing the making of the
0: first Latino movie star in Danny Ramirez? But that brings up the topic to me of bankable Latino stars. And what was the last time we had one, Mike? You know, this is like the thing that
2: if we start... I mean, one of the biggest complaints I've had is... And every time I interview an actor a director or a producer or an executive, I'm always asking, why is it that us Latinos do not have a leading man or a leading female bankable movie star that can carry a movie? They're all whites or black. And now Asians have... The yes, guy from they, Crazy Rich Asians? Yes, no, they do. Not. Yes,
0: they do. Hey, they and let's mind. not forget the guy Chi. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and I just Kumail saw
2: Nanjiani. Uh, so Indian Americans have him, you know, in leading movies, except Latinos. Let's talk about the quick difference between a Latino movie star and a Latino actor. A Latino actor can play supporting role. They can play extra. They can play everything. The prestige, Mike, though, is the protagonist role. And how many Latino protagonists are there currently that can lead a movie? And let's define a blockbuster hit. $100 million, man, for argument's sake. If you can make $100 million just on your name alone like Mark Wahlberg can, you're a movie star. How many Latinos, female or male, do you know, Mike? That are Latinos and that could bank $100 million by themselves just carrying the movie by their name alone. Well, first of all, there are none. It's not that Latinos haven't been given the opportunities to lead their own movies. Jennifer Lopez, uh, for some time in the mid-2000s when she had a number one album and a number one movie all at the same time, she was working with Matthew McConaughey and The Wedding Planner. You know, she's had a lot of lead roles. None of them have hit $100 million. And so that's why they haven't given her lead roles. But she is probably the closest movie star that we've had in the last generation of Latinos. You then take a look at Diego Luna, who was in Rogue One. But then what? Because he wasn't supposed to be the lead of that movie. Dude, I got a list for you. I want to walk you through it. I'm with you. (laughs) Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian. He was recently in Wonder Woman, but not as a lead. He's a lead on TV. That's not the same exact thing.
0: Not even close.
2: Oscar Isaac, Star Wars. Look at the rest of his movies. They're all independent films. Oscar Isaac hasn't been able to lead a movie where he makes $100 million and make him a bankable star. Michael Peña, Fantasy Island, flopped. Danny Trejo, Machete, uh, didn't do $100 million. Zoe Saldana was given Nina Colombiana, her own lead movies. Couldn't hack it, couldn't break what people wanted in box office expectations. Penelope Cruz, Javier Bardem, they're not Latino, but they're Hispanic. They've never broken $100 million. So, these are some of the biggest people. And I do think that the Benicio del Toros, the Andy Garcias, the Jimmy Smiths have never broken 100 million, but they've been given lead roles. So, is it enough, Mike, to just have a lead role? Or do we actually try and replicate white
0: Hollywood movie stars where they crack 100 all the time, like a Mark Wahlberg? Well, I, I don't think so. I think, actually, I think you build a movie star, even if it's built quickly. You know, Will Smith would not be what he was, or even Denzel, if they did not do a lot of TV and make themselves acceptable to the larger audience. Without Fresh Prince, there would have been no Independence Day. Without uh, St. Elsewhere, there would have been no Cry Freedom and then, you know, all the other films that Denzel did that that started to get him acclaimed. And and believe me, he did a lot of crap first. I, I think, though things are truncated now i think the question you ask is enormously valid because what does it take we've had a number of them i mean right now there are at least 10 young black male actors you could say that have box office recognition they may not be able to necessarily lead a film but they they're all poised that they could be a roll, a roll. michael right, b a roll, jordan a roll away right you know michael b jordan chadwick boseman was right. there well he's already he's already a list i to me michael jordan michael he's b jordan's already a list at this point but yeah so i mean the rocky movies i mean right, the, the right. creed movies made a ton of money so i'm just saying that that we're in a place now where there are at least a dozen okay for black males we don't have to talk about white males like you mentioned henry golding and, and Shang-Chi's coming. That actor is is definitely going to... And and I just saw a Mortal Kombat where they got a kind of a... He's mixed Asian. He, he looks kind of white, but he's...
2: But yeah, but you're recognizing a lot more Asian leads now. Uh, Jackie Chan, you know, a major Asian lead for the last 30 years, in my opinion. We just don't have one, man. We just don't have one. I mean, look, there are some of them that you've identified that have the potential to be, along with yes. Danny Ramirez... Anthony Ramos just got cast or there's been rumors, but I think he's already been cast as the new protagonist of the new reboot of Transformers with Angel Manuel Soto directing a Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. So that whole movie might be a Latino Transformers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I
0: think it's time.
2: Then he's the lead in In the Heights, which I saw. Um, so he's, he, he's, he's one of the few ones that has some heat, but it's still out to be proven whether he can crack a hundred mil and be a bona fide A-list movie star in Hollywood, uh, that won't fizzle out like a Benicio del Toro. Then you have Melissa Barrera who was in Vida on TV and now she's also in the Heights and she just shows so much promise. Rachel Ziegler, which has been a phenomenon of an actress, a lot of hype behind her, behind West Side Story. Isabella Merced, who used to be called Isabella Moner. She was the Latina girl in the the 2017 Transformers movie, if you remember. She was also Dora the Explorer, and that movie couldn't crack a hundred. Selena Gomez has done a couple of acting jobs here and there, but she's not a bankable lead. And then you have this kid who was also in the Bumblebee movie with Haley Steinfeld, uh, Jorge Ledenborg Jr., who is Dominican. We can go on and on and on about potential. We can go on and on. But, dude, Danny Ramirez in particular just seems like he's been chosen to become the next movie star.
0: I found interesting looking at Danny's Resume and looking at who he plays and at the time we're in, you're giving a lot of great context, I think, to, to understanding where the Latino actor is and what, what the image is of the Latino star. There just really isn't one. There's no template. You can't say, Oh, you could say Brad Pitt is a, is a Robert Redford type, but you couldn't say Danny Ramirez is a anybody's type because he's got to be his own now. And I think that's a challenge. But what I also think is interesting is that he's a sidekick. He's a sidekick to another sidekick. And the history of sidekicks in movies is one thing, in movies and stories, but it's also an interesting thing in the Marvel Universe. So I wonder if now that we're, we're entering this age of the sidekick, of the, the B-side, of the, the smaller hero becoming a hero, there are all these uh, characters that you never heard of that are becoming superheroes. And I think that you know there was there have been a few times where they've tried to make a brown action hero, you know the the kid from Twilight uh he made a couple action films that didn't go anywhere. No, he wasn't Latino though, was he? No, but he's brown, he's brown. <laughs> oh right 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 thing. he's brown he's brown and and I say brown just to say that you know it's more than just being a Latino hero like. Okay, name another brown dish th- th- again, brown guy right, Brown guy. So I'm just saying it's it's not just I mean, there's white, there's a few black that are coming up, but then brown is wide open
2: brown is wide open mike and it's interesting when you start looking at danny's and this is one of the reasons that i happen to think that danny has the makings of it and i think he's been chosen for this because most latino actors that come up through the hollywood ranks are crossing over that's been the whole thing they've worked in telemundo novellas at televisa at univision they're working in novellas pero como puede ser amigo como me tratas así huh? right
0: I'm casting you tomorrow (laughs) Jack
2: just cue up all the audio and novella music right there and we're so accustomed to them crossing over or they come up you know they start off as gang members and maids and every stereotypical reductive role that you can possibly think of is what we start off as but not Danny Danny started off in The Affair in 2015 as he left NYU. The kid goes to NYU, one of the best film schools in America, probably in the world, right? And out of that, he goes into The Affair on HBO. Then he gets a gig at Blindspot. Then Orange is the New Black. Then the Fox TV series that people were talking about like it's the X-Men, The Gifted. Then he goes to Netflix's On My Block, Then he does Valley Girl. Then he does the Falcon Winter Soldier, Top Gun Maverick. And now you're looking at a guy that just everything has been mainstream. And I don't know if he truly understands how hard it's been for so many other people because everything seems that it's been so easy for him. And he's a Latino. What happened to all the discrimination that other Latino actors are going through? What happened to look, he plays Latino roles. But these Latino roles, when you look at them on TV, they don't feel like they're Latino. They just feel like they're American. They're just default, normal, you know, no race,
0: no ethnicity is just a role. What I think is also interesting is when you give us that opportunity and I say us, I mean brown and black folks, the opportunity to to rise, we do.
2: Right, and I think the big question here is, Mike, and I'm not sure if you can answer it, but try and give it a go, man. What constitutes a movie star? How do you create one? Is it the fans that create the movie star? Is it the talent themselves that create their own movie stardom? Or is it Hollywood and its machinery of publicists, managers, agents that create and manufacture a movie star?
0: I think it's all three. I think that one, in in terms of that it factor... You know, there are people who are just watchable. You see them in a movie. There's a movie star on screen and they're just in the background fiddling with a knife. And you're like, wow, who <laughs> right. is that guy who is, you know, there's a lot of careers like that. James Coburn's my favorite example because he was in the Magnificent Seven and basically threw a knife, hardly said anything. But he was so cool that you remembered him and he became, you know, the superstar. And he, he was. But. All of that being said, I think, so there an it factor. Same thing with Star Wars, Harrison Ford. I mean, Luke Skywalker was a star, but Harrison Ford had the career. Now, in terms of the fans, I think that the first two are kind of connected because the, the you people have to resonate with you. You know, if you're Tom Hanks, it's easy when you're you're funny, I think, or easier for people to resonate with you to to open up to you. If you're you're Will Smith or you're Tom Hanks or you're Robin Williams, I think they're you know Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, people who who made you laugh, you're gonna like them. And then people who can move you as an actor, Jack Nicholson, you know. So I think there's fans. You have to have fans of your work, your your style. Christopher Walken, you know, whoever it is, people love your style. Just who you come across as, De Niro, people who are loved. Then the third factor is the machine. Now the machine can manufacture stars, but those stars generally don't last and ha- and have a lot of haters because they're nothing. They're 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 manufactured. There are people I, I, I'm sure we could name stars who you shake your head and wonder why they had a career. So it'll be interesting to see
2: what. The next move for Danny Ramirez and his team is going to be because he's one step away from being put on the pedestal as the new and maybe first Latino movie star of the modern Hollywood era. And I'm crossing my fingers to see if it happens, Mike. So Danny Ramirez on our show today discussing Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Top Gun Maverick, and the one question that Mike asked him that essentially exploded Zoom <laughs> when he answered it.
1: Danny ¿qué pasa parce? ¿Cómo estás? Yo bien, 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 todo aquí en Nueva Zelanda.
2: First of all, congratulations on all your success and welcome to the Brown and Black Podcast. Got a chance to see Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And what was interesting to me right off the bat, I mean, you're a young actor. And as a young actor to be in Top Gun Maverick, the Falcon in the Winter Soldier. Dude, and it's like you started in the affair. Then you kind of just kept on going on the block on Netflix. And it was like one after another. These aren't... Oh, comencé las novelas, comencé haciendo esto, and then I crossed over. That is not your story, dude. That's that's so many of our stories that we have to kill ourselves 20, 30 years just trying to make it to where you are, and then we call
1: it a career. I think it's um, the people that came before me for sure made it easier for, for me to, to hop into the stories that were available then. Like Even when I did The Affair, it was at that point... That was kind of just the work that was coming across the plate. But for that to be a little bit more of the norm, that had to be Oscar Isaac showing up in Drive and killing it in in like a supporting role and um, everything that Pedro Pascal had done that was at that point, he didn't get a shine on until like he really came into prominence more recently. Um, But he had to do all these bit parts. So I think a lot of people laid the groundwork and um, I was able to catch some some of those breaks early on because it to me doing the affair opposite of Dominic five lines opposite of Dominic West I was like okay wow this is um <laughs> and, and him being so nice about it it, it kind of took away this cloud of, of mystery of like oh I, I don't belong here or I do and, and Dominic basically like we, we kind of played around he's like oh you got five lines and in the first line I gotta I gotta see in your eyes that you're afraid and the second one you're going to die. And the third one, you're making a full recovery. Like, so we, we played around with this thing that kind of took away the, the illusion of, of, um, of whether or not I belong there, just cause I'm like, I'm joking around just like he is like, we're, we're one in the same. And so as these, these auditions kept coming across, that kept getting a little bigger and bigger. It was, um, it was realizing my self-worth of like, I went to NYU and I, I, I tried to put in more work than everybody else in my own way not necessarily always showing up on class, but like if I didn't go to class, it's cause I wanted to read a book about something. Cause I disagreed with this version of it. I don't So it was like, it was knowing that like, I belonged in the room, I belonged throwing down and that I had something to offer. Um, and it took me a while to get to this place, to the, to the place of, of of knowing that like, oh, I'm bringing some, some heat hopefully. Cause even the first time that I told, I had a, a teacher at some point, I won't say who, that was like, oh, you'd be a good sidekick character, but like, as like my cat, as like, that's it. Like, that's what you'll get to one day, like after I become an extra for a few years. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, maybe that's just, which was normal for her to say eight years ago, seven years ago, it was just, we didn't see prominent parts go out to Latinos or at all. So I don't know, it it came from this place of like, finally having worth and self-worth and knowing that I could throw down in these films. Wow, you said so
0: much in what you just said. You you covered probably about three of my questions too. So, uh, <laughs> um, uh but I love everything you said and and it's very specific, the time that you're becoming an actor too, like you said, there definitely some doors been opened, but uh, I just have to ask you now just to, to talk about the parallel between your career and as you say, a sidekick. Being a sidekick, you know, that might've been a thing you know, whatever that was 20 years ago and maybe in a different genre, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they're both sidekicks and now they're starring. Yeah. And a lot of what the series is about is about how sidekicks rise to the next level and become something else and gotcha. become, you know, you know, so you're the Padawan now. So <laughs> my, 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 my question to you is uh, looking at where you're at now, like being around, you know, those who came up as sidekicks, and knowing that this character they made you up for the series, anything could happen to you. Yeah. So, um,
1: how exciting is that for you? As as it might parallel your career. Well, I, I think it's. I've, I'm honored. Um, first of all, I was uh, the entire time. My eyes were like just taking everything in, making sure I was I was experiencing in the moment. And I think Anthony's career has been. When that I've related to a lot, and, and recently that it came out that he's if you're in a scene opposite of him, you're going to win an Oscar or get nominated. And it's interesting to see the parallels of that, and then that having that being one of the themes that is wrestled with of like what is it to take a mantle on, and what is it to to take this next step, and and, and if society is ready for you to take it specifically, and, and if you yeah, so I think the wrestling of that co- internal conflict and what that means and um, I've had it in real life and, and seeing it play out, um, I think is, is quite beautiful and how it's being talked about and it's, a bright light is being shown on it. Because um, in the current like, social political climate, I think that's, this show is perfectly aligned with, with everything and, and having an amazing actor like Anthony be famous in, in this storyline. I think he's able to give it all these layers and, and, and show that internal conflict because it's not an easy, like, if it was easy, there would be no drama within it, you know, if if he True. knew from point A to point B. Um, so I think getting to where he's getting to internally, I think it's it's helped a lot as I watch it with my own struggles of what that, that, that sidekick in real life to prominence kind of feels like, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah.
2: What is your preparation for this particular role with Joaquin Torres? What did you want to accomplish with him in particular?
1: Well, I think the the uniform speaks for itself, um, especially military uniforms. I think there's there's so much that could get tropey with just like, oh, you wear a uniform and that means that you are the uniform, which in very much you you represent the uniform. But I think there's so much, I've I've met I've been lucky to meet a lot of people in that serve in our military in the Air Force in the Navy, and each has such a unique personality that I was like oh it's just like who is the person outside of the uniform like he's a he's a millennial that loves technology and loves gifts and loves um cracking jokes every now and then and is light on his feet so I think my preparation was like the uniform will speak for itself but beyond that this um Joaquin will will just be a, a ray of sunshine and just filled with life And based on, and then just doing the scenes, we'll figure out so much in in regards to how Anthony and I played each scene. Was just there was an excitement of like discovering which way it went. So I think it was it was present. It was bringing that to the table and then just letting it become what it became. Um, Which I think just it, it frees and it creates a more three dimensional person. I think than than necessarily playing towards the uniform or playing into the fact that he's in the military. I think it was it was giving him. I was giving myself ownership of a, of a real person that woke up, brushed his teeth, um, had his breakfast and then put on his uniform. And he was very much his own person. That was more so the preparation was like, OK, what would be a fascinating um, character to, to add this dynamic into and the seasoning into the story that then who knows where he'll go?
0: You know, as I'm listening to you and, and I'm picturing you on set and I'm thinking about the scenes, again, I think about the parallel. I, I was reading up on the character and Wikipedia director said, oh, he's a little bit of a puppy dog. And but what I thought about is, you know, they say, you know, when if human beings could learn at the rate a child learns, you know, from like one to five, we'd all be geniuses. So a lot of what you're doing, you're like you're not just in the military, you're working with <laughs> The Falcon, so you 're in this really high you know you could be a sidekick to anybody, but you're you 're watching him a lot so I, i'm wondering what your thoughts are about what what do you think your character's learning from Falcon because I think, you know, I, I see so- a lot of shots of you watching him
1: yeah no and I think and i tried to a lot of that was was things i moments I found to and I, and I've said this before that it's like, I had to pinch myself like that's Falcon. All right. That That is, wow. This is a person that like everyone knows he's, he's the, a, a mega star in his own right. He's a badass and I get to work with him. And I think the reality of that, like what, what that would equate to, like if, if I got to work with LeBron James every single day, um, <laughs> uh, and he somehow was able to give me his abilities.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: right. uh, I think that'd be awesome, but I, I'd be soaking in, every single moment is the attention to detail as to how he does, how he puts on the shoes or how he recovers post game. Um, so I was thinking in this as, as, um, as working with Falcon as like, okay, he'd be picking up absolutely everything. He, he'd be taking it in. Cause like, you never know when, if the next mission that they have, if they're like, all right, you know what, Joaquin, actually, it's not for you <laughs> at that point. It's like, okay, well I had my one week, you know, I had my one right, week right, I got- right, right, and like, that was sick. So it was all these moments of like, of knowing that it was special and it was important, and I think that's why even he goes out and he says he's gonna keep his like ear to the ground online, and instead he goes out to the field and like jumps in because I think he 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 takes on the opportunity that's presented, which is to help Sam out, and not just like helping him out behind the computer, he goes. And ends up getting his ass kicked, but but, they, <laughs> uh, but he recovers. He recovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah he definitely does. Um, <laughs> but he, he does he all right. It, and he just grabs life by the horns and he just goes for it.
2: Any interest in working in Spanish now that you got heat, right? There's been a lot of talk among Hispanic actors in the industry that as soon as they start working with American, white, mainstream people, that there is no desire whatsoever to ever work in Spanish. It's like, I made it already. Is there any identity that you want to be able to carry through storytelling in working in Spanish in Latin America, Mexico, Spain?
1: No, sí, por supuesto. Siempre quisiera trabajar en español si si se presenta la oportunidad. Um, I I think, so to to say it again, it's, I think to me, it's the story that now with this idea of, of being able to do projects that I'm more aligned with, I think it's all about story doesn't matter if it's going to be in English or in Spanish, whatever is a story that captivates me. And I think there's, there's so much that of stories that in Spanish um, speaking countries in South America, Central America, in Spain, everywhere that haven't been told. And um, something that I've seen myself do as I'm now developing projects and want to be a producer and, and do all these things. Cause for a moment, the parts that I want to do, weren't being written. So I was like, if, if they're not being written, I got to write them. I got to, Find a way to develop this story or that story or whatever it may be. I don't want to say them yet, just because people might steal them. But, um, <laughs> but I absolutely uh, plan to do Spanish-speaking roles, Spanish-speaking projects in general, not just that my character is the one that speaks Spanish, but like an entire, um, yeah, an entire narrative film. The first film that I just finished writing is um, I'm a first-generation American, um, but raised as Spanish is my first language mi mamá mexicana mi papá colombiano so like I was I was just I, I was in a small I was in a pocket of Miami that everyone around me was Hispanic and I think there's that to me is is incredibly exciting and, and close to home and special to me is, is that community of Hondureños Nicaragüenses Cubans Puerto Ricans Dominicans literally Venezuela everyone so like I'd go to school and it'd be a, a, a class of 25 and it was from 24 different countries um, wow because there's two cubans obviously there's more cubans <laughs> so to me like that is is a part of the us that i want to tell that would capture so much of of other un- underrepresented countries but also give us a way and, and and make it very american but also central and south american and caribbean But yes, yeah, so i think it's it's incredibly important um and i i think i i never i've never even thought of that as i made it so therefore let me shut it uh let me let me stray away from it I think whatever is the best story that comes to the forefront that is a story that I could best serve is what I'll probably do, no matter if it's a Colombian in Germany. And if I have to learn German, that would be cool. Like, so I think it's, I don't want to put any restrictions on the work that I want to do or, or think that I just want to work with white creatives. Cause I don't, I want to work with um, directors across the board of, of, wherever they're from if they just have a way in and i think that's the magic of of what i've seen in this industry of what i want to kind of do is there's so much work going around now but there's some there's it's rare when you find that somebody's vision their soul and the story and the execution is going to align um and those are the rare ones to come across and luckily i have i've been blessed with being in a couple of those already so i think that's kind of what i'm chasing to always be a part of stories that i think resonate not just to tell it for the sake of it you know like I'm um, um that's why i feel so blessed to be a part of the falcon winter soldier because it's an incredibly important story in the year 2021 i have to imagine uh that at this
0: point in time and like you said there is a lot of work out there and we are in a you know probably the best place we've been yet you know as people of color you know, being able to tell our stories in front of and behind the camera. I'm wondering these experiences now, you know, working on these big films, you know, you got, the book Top Gun, you know, and, and you're watching, you, you know, you said something very powerful before about being on set for the affair and kind of realizing it's possible, like whatever you thought you could do, you could do. And that's transformative in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm just, Wondering throughout this experience, especially in the last two years, especially where you are at right now, uh, has your mind just opened more, or or this is like, well, now your plans; these are your plans all along. So it's just, you know, you have foreseen this.
1: Well, I think it's the way that before I even started, I, I'd seen I was playing soccer in in Atlanta in college, and I saw Rizamed being the lead of this movie called the reluctant fundamentalist and yep. i had no idea who he was i had no idea anything really about movies i was just there because i wanted to make 120 bucks and had a sprained ankle so i wasn't playing that, that <laughs> it was also my birthday so i got to see riz oh just, man wow yeah i was like I'm, I'm a freshman in atlanta my ankle sprained like let me make 120 bucks oh i got to and it was to be an extra for a soccer like montage scene that he did um and, then I saw, and I saw, and I saw everything in this set operating around him. And I was like, "Wait a second, he's not white." And then I was like, "Oh shit, oh oh damn, I I guess I, I could do this if I." No, not that I I didn't think I could do this right now, but it opened my mind of like, oh, in this there's a possibility of something in this venue that I thought was only, like I had only seen movies where like there was white people leading, it, right? So seeing Riz in this. Um, in this movie directed by mirror and Air, um, I was just like, okay, it, it kind of like start started the spark of like, it, you wouldn't just be some like day player at the end of the day. Like there is a, a, a light to, to tell a story that belongs to you. And that is for your people. And I bought my first acting book the next day. I ended up at NYU a year and a half later and so I think there is a lot about realizing, well, if what we're doing is playing human beings, we've been, you've been doing this, Jack and Mike, like your whole lives. Like since you were born, you're that's, and then that's what we try to replicate in in stories. Cause it, so I was like, when I realized that I'm like, wait, I'm just as valuable than everyone that I've seen on screen or everyone that is off screen. Like we're all just like, if we're telling a story, all you need to be is human and that's all you, have to bring to the table um and we all have this magic that we could bring to the table and when i thought of that i was like oh shit this is it kind of took away this like the the secret of it all Um, right it was just like just be and then you could work on your craft and add things to it once you realize like at its core you just have to be this little ball of energy either high or subdued whatever it may be for the character but it was like it's just you just have to be and that's it
0: Okay. Well, all right. I, I want to ask you now, um, it, it, having the experiences and, and the the wisdom, just, and again, this is kind of building on that. Uh, and you, you mentioned that you're thinking about producing. Do you have like an, a secret? This is really, I would love to play the Latin James Bond or the, uh, do you have any secret roles? Like, you know, from an idol, like, you know, I want to be that lawyer, that Jack Nicholson, yeah. you know, that kind of role.
1: Anything I like have that? to do that, that I'm going to keep, Reserve, yourself. all right um, okay reserve, know, gems but the ones that i would say as you said i think being james bond would be amazing i think there's <laughs> take it to uh, another level take it to another level you know. take it to, yeah yeah it, <laughs> it would be a different saison if i was uh james bond but i think um, also um there's scarface i've mentioned a few times because i think there's something iconic that I, i'd love to play in, in that if there was ever the remake I mentioned uh a Golden Boy movie, Oscar De La Hoya, that'd be really yeah. Cool. Oh, okay, that okay. would be great. Awesome. Golden Boy would be phenomenal. Um, a remake of La Bamba I had mentioned that'd be really cool. Yep. So I was yep. just like, okay, there, there's a lot of stuff out there, but then there, there's like really secret ones. But okay, all right, <laughs> so you
0: got those secret ones, okay. All right.
2: Well, I have my last question to you, Danny. We have uh, very little left. Top Gun Maverick, it's been pushed and pushed and pushed. Now we're finally going to see it in November, uh, as I understand it. Who do you play? What was your experience from it? And what do you take away? What can you tell us about your experience with Top Gun Maverick and what can we expect?
1: Well, so I play a character named Fanboy. And... um, I think working with Tom has been one of the biggest blessings that I could have ever asked for. It was going to like a master's in film. um, And he made it known pretty early on that the door was open with any questions. So whether it was for him, for Joseph Kaczynski, the director, for Claudio Miranda, the DP, for um, Chris McQuarrie, for Eddie Hamilton, the editor, like across the board, the doors were open. If I had any questions, if, um, cause they early on, they're like, all right, you six that we picked are not just for the role. It's because we see you as like the next wave of, of talent that is going to push, is going to take story and push, it, push the envelope and keep telling stories that have to be told. So when he said that at first, I was like, well, I've heard that before. I've heard people say the door is always open, but it's not. Um, so I was at first, I'm like, okay, maybe that's just like what you say to get morale. In. But as soon as the questions started happening and started asking them and everyone started asking them, you saw like, oh no, they were serious. The door was always open. There were always, if there was any film references or questions we had, uh, Chris was there with his iPad and he'd pull up references to like Lawrence in Arabia or, or like a, a bunch of different amazing, um, and glorious bastards, all these things that he'd pull up and he'd explain to us composition and, um, and character. And so it was just, I was just there to soak it all in and on days that I wouldn't work that I wasn't called to set, I'd still go and just like hover behind Claudio Miranda. Cause I'm like, this man won an Oscar. Like, how am I like, if, if I have the ability to be here behind his shoulder, seeing how he sets up a shot, like, of course I have to. So to me, that was one of the most special experiences of how open they were with their knowledge. They, they wanted to share it. They, um, whenever they shared it, they, it also like, it felt good. Like it felt like they were feeling good about it. You know, how sometimes people share information and they're like, ah, okay, this is the answer. Like, this is what this is about. But they were like, take it, here, my information, like, and so I was like, that's a blessing and a half. That's like, I can't even quantify what that, like, it just, it was, when I walk away from it all, like, as time, like, passes, I think that's what I'm going to remember the most. And, because it's also awesome to be up there in F-18s, and we we had, like, <laughs> 12, 13 hours of f So that's great. That's great. I'm not going to complain. Um, wow. I'm excited for everyone to see it because it's—I've never seen a story that dynamic told in in that way. It's definitely going to blow people's brains. Well, I know we we're out of
0: time. Right. I, did, I had a yes or no question. Was, would you take
1: the Super Soldier Serum? That's really the last question. Next question.
0: it. Thank you.
2: That's it for this 47th episode of Brown and Black. We'd like to thank Danny Ramirez for being on the show. And if you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. This episode was edited by Joshua Tirado. You can follow our comments and opinions at Brown Black Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll talk to you next time on another episode of Brown and Black. go to shopify.com/sonoro to take your business to the next level today shopify.com/sonoro